This podcast is presented to you by the Young Adults Ministry of Faith Chapel San Diego. To find out more, please visit faithchapelsd.com. I just want to say uh, for everybody who's joining us online, God bless you guys. I'm so glad you're here with us tonight. I truly believe God has something remarkable in store for you tonight. So I pray that you are attentive to not just what I have to say, but what I believe the Holy Spirit has to say this evening. I truly believe he's going to, to rock your world in a unique and powerful way. So I hope you're here, ready to hear from the Lord and to engage with God. If you haven't got the notes uh, ready for tonight, then go ahead and go to your app store. If you haven't got the Faith Chapel app, you're going to want to download that your app store, your Google Play store, so that you can have the sermon notes for tonight and follow along with the verses and all that we're going to be chit-chatting about. I believe it's going to be a good thing. We're continuing in our series, our true spiritual worship series. Have you guys been getting enriched by this? I'm speaking to people in the room as well as people joining us online. I hope this has been good for you especially if you're a, a worship artist or a musician, because I feel like this has been something that um, is constantly shaping me and chiseling me to ensure that my worship is pure, but it's uh, also outside of the realm of what we call worship, which is just music and song, and there's so much more to it, and we've been talking about a lot of these things, and I, I hope it's been enriching you, and further, furthermore, I hope that it's been provoking you to want to spend time with God in the realm of worship and in all of its different facets. Like last week when we talked about money, we talked about finances, but I felt like it was so much more than just talking about giving to the church. It wasn't about that. There was so much more about seeing your seed as a tool of worship unto the king, and there's a lot that's there. But tonight, I'm excited to talk to you about the, the concept of breaking through, breaking through. And uh, man, I think God's going to touch us in a remarkable way. So let's pray and let's invite him. God, thank you so much. Thank you for what you have in store for this evening, what you want to say, what you want to do. Bless every single person that's watching. Lord God, help us to receive from your precious Holy Spirit. Bless those that are giving, that give online. God, thank you for their do them doing that and they're worshiping you through their giving like we talked about last week, that that would be their act of worship. We welcome you, God, and we just thank you for what you have in store for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for your giving online. You can do that at faithchapelsd.com and click on the Give Here tab. You can do it through the app or by texting to give. Text a dollar amount to 84321. That'll take care of that as well. But let's jump into tonight. I'm going to open this up with a quick statement right off the bat, and I want you to catch this. Our worship influences the atmosphere. Your worship to God literally influences the atmosphere. Now, I know that each and every one of us have been in different atmospheres, and by that, I mean sometimes you walk into a place and it's somber and it's relaxed and it's chill and it's sunset cliffs and the sun is setting and people are jogging by and someone's enjoying a California burrito and watching the sunset and the waves are gently crashing. And sometimes you're at the, the, the stadium and, and uh, your team just scored and everyone's in an uproar and there's excitement and it's a frenzy. And sometimes you find yourself in a, in a dark or intense situation like we were talking about a few moments ago where there's turmoil and there's, there's, there's violence and there's difficulty and there's frustration or there's confusion and there's all of these different elements. So we know what it's like to be in different atmospheres and how those affect us, what it does for us emotionally, what, it, what we feel physically. There's a lot of different things that happen. So what I want you to understand is that your worship changes the atmosphere. 
There is something about the element of worshiping God, coming to him, saying, God, I'm taking my eyes off all of this and putting it upon you, adoring you, attributing worth to you, giving you my praise, giving you my adoration, giving you my heart, giving you my attention, and it does something in the room. It does something in the room. There's been so many times as a, as a minister, especially a young minister, when I would get up to preach and the atmosphere of the room was just not right. And I felt weird going, gosh, I feel so weird trying to get up and to communicate the gospel when it's just, we haven't gotten there yet. And so it was real easy to just tell my worship leader, you, should, you did not want to be my worship leader uh, working with me when I was a youth pastor. I'll just tell you that right now because, man, I, I had so many hand signals. I was like a third base coach. I'm like, keep going. Stretch it on. More, longer. We need to go deeper. What are we doing? Let's go. Hype it up. Come on. Do we need more Jesus in that? Nope. Too much. Slow it down. I had all these different things. And so I'm in the back signing all this stuff, and the guy's up here trying to play and sing and focus. And, man, I was just like, we got to get into it. And if we're not in it, like, we're here to connect with Jesus. We're not here to get through the agenda. We got to get connected to Jesus. So we're we're going to do what we need to do to get connected because I want the atmosphere to be something that is conducive for the presence of God to rest in this place so people can encounter Jesus. Like, that's what I want to do. I had a conversation with someone. I'll tell you the story probably a little bit later, but I had a conversation with someone recently, and I said, my number one job is to create an atmosphere for you to encounter Jesus. It's not to feed you. It's not to put on events for you so that you can go and have a good time. And it's not to help partner you up with friends so that you can make friends and feel, you know, socially connected. Those are all small pieces of the pie, but the main piece of the pie is to create an atmosphere where Jesus is in the house so that you can connect with Jesus. That's really the, the bottom line, more than anything. So this makes sense because there was never an atmosphere that the presence of Jesus did not influence. Jesus was constantly influencing atmospheres that he was in all the time. So sometimes you would see a negative result of that because it would hype the people up and the demonic realm did not want Jesus in the room and what he was doing. And sometimes it was, it was the presence of God and he would heal and he would move and he would touch the sick and, and they would be restored. And there were so many remarkable things that would happen in the presence of Jesus. So in the midst of our worship, he comes and our atmosphere is influenced. This place, this vibe, this uh, atmosphere is the best word for it, is really influenced by the presence of Jesus. And what draws on the presence of Jesus more than our praise and our worship? It goes back to Psalms 22.3. He's enthroned upon the praises of his people. When you worship him, he comes, and he loves to be where he's celebrated. And that does great things. Now, I've shared this breakthrough revelation many, many times, and, uh, but I'll share it again with you guys. And it's one of the first things that I te my, teach my core leadership team because one of the, the things I demand, or it's written in the fine print, literally, when they become a core leader, I'm like, you got to sign this, and you, I own you for six months. Not exactly, but I, one of the things I tell them is, you're going to come up to the front to worship at every worship service. Unless you have a responsibility or something, you're going to come up here and you're going to worship in the front. And there's a lot of reasons why I do that. I have them do that because, A, I want our worship team to feel supported. I want them to, to feel noticeably supported. And worship members will always tell you, man, I love it when people come up to the front and worship because it's like, man, I want to just continue to press into the presence of the Lord more. People are responding and it's great. And then secondly, I also want people to, I want people to see you. Now, you don't do it to be seen. That's not the purpose for why you worship. But I want other people to notice 
hey, that's, that's somebody that I see that is giving it all for God and, and, and going after the Lord Jesus, and they're locked in with God, and that influences people. Now, the third thing, that, the reason why I do this is because of this breakthrough revelation, breakthrough worshiper revelation. And the idea is this. It's that of a semi-truck. When a semi-truck is driving down the freeway, and if you were to drive in the wake of the semi-truck as it's breaking the wind barrier, you're going to be able to drive a whole lot further, and you're going to get way better gas mileage than you ever had before. Why? Because the semi-truck is breaking the wind barrier. So one of the reasons why I, I literally almost feel like I like to have my, my core team and stuff to the front to worship God is because I'm like, you're a semi-truck, you're a semi-truck, you're a semi-truck, you're a semi-truck, you're a semi-truck. The reason why is because somebody is going to walk through these doors tonight, and they're not going to feel like they want to go to the distance. They're going to feel like they're out of gas. They're going to feel like their car's breaking down. They're going to feel like they're a mess. But because you are going to break through the wind barrier in the spirit realm, they're going to be able to gain access into the presence of God in a unique way that maybe they couldn't have got to on their own. But because you showed up hungry and passionate to go after King Jesus, they are going to help reap the benefits simply because they're in the same room as you and I want that to be me and I want that to be you I, that should be all of our responsibility Jesus I came to worship you I came to honor you I came to go after you and I'm gonna change the atmosphere and man I can't tell you some days I did not feel like the semi-truck some days I felt like the broke down Geo Metro, right? Like I'm a mess. And I came limping into service that night because of whatever was going on. And I tell you what, when I had my team, they were up there worshiping, they helped pick me up. And I was like, thank God that there's people that get it, that they recognize that they're here to help influence others into the presence of the Lord. Because there was days that I was down and I needed that. And there was days that they were down and I provided that for them. And praise God, we're the body of Christ. The family here to help each other out. Are you with me? So good. So be that breakthrough worshiper. Bring that, be that semi-truck that pushes through the wind barrier so that others can glean into the presence of the Lord. Now there's a context series of scripture we're going to be in tonight in Acts chapter 16. So if you want to follow in the notes, you could do that or just turn there in your Bibles. We're in Acts chapter 16, reading out of the New Living Translation. And this is some good stuff right here. Okay. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Say, I'm ready. All six of us in the room. Yeah, I'm ready. Verse 25. Check this out. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were in jail, okay? They have been arrested, and they are thrown into the prison. Okay, they were singing, and pr singing hymns to God and praying, and the other prisoners were listening. What were the other prisoners doing? They were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every, every prisoner fell off. Phenomenal story. They're praying, singing to God, spending time with God, even in the middle of their jail cell, right in the middle of the storm. Now that is something you could take and catch with you, man, because I know it's easy to praise God when you just got your stimulus check. I know it's easy to praise God when you just got a raise. I know it's easy to praise God when you just went to go to the grocery store and you picked up your favorite bag of cookies and it was buy one, get one free, and you were like, ah! Jesus, and you got all excited about it. It's easy to praise God in those moments, but what about when you're in the jail cell and everything is a mess? What about when your city is in an uproar? 
What about when there's a virus that's plaguing the, com the country and the world for that matter? What about when your bank account is starting to dwindle? What about when you get a bad report from the doctor? It's in those moments you praise God and things begin to change. It's in those moments you look and you say, Jesus, you are still worthy of my praise. I know I'm in this stinky jail cell and there's rats running around and it's gross and it's dirty, but Jesus, I'm going to sing a song to you and I'm going to spend time with you. And well, it's midnight, but you know what? I'm going to keep going. And I wonder if there was a moment or two where Silas is like, oh, you know, Paul, I'm getting kind of tired. And Paul's like, Jesus. And he's just worshiping God. And Silas is like, all right, let's keep going. And he encouraged him to keep going. I wonder if that was the case. If now is not a time where you don't feel like you're in the middle of a storm and you can't praise Jesus. Man, let me tell you, you need to find a way to shift your perspective to be able to give him some praise. You'll be able to worship yourself right out of those shackles and the shackles of those around you if you can change your perspective. If you can begin to see your situation and worship yourself right out of those shackles. Man, the doors of the jail cells flew open and the scriptures say that the shackles fell off of all the prisoners. Not just Paul and Silas, but all the prisoners. Man, I'm going to get stuck here for a long time tonight, but I don't even care. I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that people want to be around me because I'm such a breakthrough worshiper. I'm constantly breaking through in the spiritual world that as I worship God, they say, I want to be where Josiah is worshiping God because, man, some of what he's got just gets on me. He's got a contagious spirit. Why is it that we believe if we chew and sneeze on you, you're going to get the virus or you're going to get sick or you're going to get some other kind of messed up thing? And we believe that in the negative, but we don't believe that the spiritual thing that I carry can get on you as well. Amen? What if, what, what if we truly believe that the anointing that we carry, the spirit that we carry, the weight of glory that we carry as sons and daughters of the Most High God is just as more, or just as much, or way more effective on us being contagious than it is for anything else? Man, I believe that. What if the degree of presence that I carry on my life is so significant that people get thrusted into freedom simply by living in the wake of my presence? Those prisoners didn't do anything to deserve their freedom. They were just chained up in the right place next to the right people. Friends, that's called grace. Chained up to the, in the right place next to the right people. Maybe you didn't do anything to deserve it. Let me tell you, friends, I didn't do anything to deserve this beautiful life that I have. I didn't do anything to deserve being born into the family that I was born into. I didn't do anything to deserve being born into the most beautiful city in the nation with the most incredible weather. I didn't do anything to deserve that. But God is so ridiculously gracious. I didn't do anything to deserve the fact that I was raised a Christian and I didn't have to bounce around from faith to faith to faith to faith trying to figure out what is the right one and I'm so confused and someone told me this was correct but I don't really know and that doesn't make sense and it doesn't sit well with my heart and my spirit. I didn't do anything to deserve that someone raised me as a Christian. And I was able to understand with full, with full knowledge and my full self and fully knowing, God, this is, this is right. And I've tried my life to disprove it, and I can't because it's so true.
I didn't do anything to deserve that, friends. It's just grace. Getting a freedom that you didn't deserve. Sheer grace opened up those jail cells. I've got some friends like this in my life, you know? Do you have a friend like this? I have some friends like this. That every single time I'm around them, they just sharpen my spirit, man. They're always hitting me with Jesus and what God's been showing them recently. They're constantly telling me about, you know, what the latest testimony is of what God's been doing in their life. They're, they pray over me. They prophesy over me. They hand me books. They do all kinds of stuff. And all we were doing was meeting for coffee or all we were doing was hanging out or all we were doing was at a birthday party. And man, I just wanted to be around that guy because he's going to sharpen me and he constantly brings Jesus to me. Do you have a friend like that? Because if you don't, you need to get one. And as you continue to get one, you're going to also become one. And people are going to want to be around you because you shed Jesus on them. That is huge. I hope you have a friend like that. Because if all your friends want to do is joke around and mess around and do all the other dumb stuff and they constantly bring you down and you leave that hangout time or that fun time that you had with them and you leave that more discouraged than you were encouraged, you might need to change your friends. So you can become the dominant influencer. When you become the dominant influencer, then you could go back and begin to influence them into the kingdom. But that's another message for another night. Let's go to verse 27 in the same chapter. The jailer woke up, he passed out, to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Terrible. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. How remarkable is this? Just think about it for a moment. The doors are flung open, but you don't leave. Can you imagine? I get it for maybe Paul and Silas because they've only been in jail for like a really short amount of time. But what if you're the dude that's been locked up in there for years? And all of a sudden, your moment comes. You probably dream about this. Like, I've never spent time in, in, in a prison, you know, but I have family members that have gone to jail and, been, and spent time in prison. And, and I, so I'm, I'm assuming when you're in, especially when you know you're going to be in for a while, you maybe daydream about, wouldn't it just be great if like a huge earthquake just came and the earthquake just kind of like knocked all the walls down and I was able to make my escape and get some freedom or even if it was just for a short time. I don't know if you would daydream about those kinds of things. I probably would. But that is literally the moment that comes knocking on the doorstep of some of these prisoners. Our chance is here. My chains just supernaturally fell off. It's a miracle. God wants me free, obviously, because he's the one that flung the door open, and he's the one that kicked these shackles off. So obviously, he wants me free. But they stay. Have you thought about this? They stay there. Why are they staying there? They stay put. I believe it's because they were being led of the Spirit. I believe God was speaking to them. Even though there was an indicator to go one direction, it didn't mean the time was now. This will help you if you catch this. Just because there's an indicator to go a specific direction doesn't mean the time is now. Holy Spirit was actually guiding them to stick around. Let me tell you a quick story. That has been my story on many occasions. In fact, one in particular, I had... Uh, this idea to start this business, and it was going to be a side business that I thought was going to be pretty lucrative. But right off the bat, I was a little bit discouraged because I knew that I needed about $10,000 to kick it off. And I needed supplies, equipment, this kind of stuff. And I don't know about you, but I just didn't have 10 grand lying around. And so I'm like, God, I, if I'm going to do this, I really need 10 grand. But guess what? In a short amount of time, 
$10,000 worth of equipment just came and fell into my lap. It was like the jail cell doors flew wide open and the shackles kicked off. It was like obviously God, right? So immediately you're praying about it, and then all of a sudden it falls in your lap. Everything that I needed. I needed the computers, and I needed the cameras, and I needed the software, and I needed the connection, and I needed this, and I needed that. And it all just, boom, landed here one day. And so all of a sudden I'm like, Jesus, and I'm walking through thinking this is totally going to happen. God is obviously in it. And I'm driving through Imperial Beach one day, and as I'm driving through, I hear the Lord speak to me, and he says, what's your number one obstacle? Is it time or is it money? And I said, I thought about it, and then I replied, it's time. And the Lord said, well, if you do this, this side business, it's going to solve your number two problem, which is finances, but it's going to devastate your number one problem, which is time. And then, guess what? He's always killing me like this. Then he doesn't say anything else. (laughs) He didn't tell me don't do it, and he didn't tell me do it. He just gave me information and had me think about something, and then he basically just let it go and said, whatever you decide to do. So as I thought about it some more, I realized that even though the prison doors flew open, and even though the shackles fell off, and even though everything seemed to fall right in my place, I felt like I decided and said, you know what, Lord, this is really a cool thing, and obviously you're providing me for it, but maybe now's not the time. So I took that whole idea and just put it on the shelf. And it's been on the shelf ever since. And God hasn't given me the permission to go back and pull that thing off the shelf and move forward. And there has been a couple times where I almost did, where I went back and thought, maybe this is different. And I kind of grabbed it and looked to the Lord like, do you want me to do this now? Okay, no, no, okay, I guess not. And I put it back. And it's still back. Because I don't want to be disobedient to the Lord. I want what's best for me. I don't want to just do something that's going to get me through or is going to be okay. I want God's best. Don't you? Don't you? And I felt like I could be blessed in that, but man, I wanted to do it God's way. How amazing the heart of Paul and Silas that they didn't hold anything against the jailer. It wasn't his fault that they were in jail. He was just doing his job. They, in obedience, remained behind to be a blessing to their captors. They could have just dipped out and gone quickly, but the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, says, stay right here because a jailer's about to come back, and he's going to kill himself, and I got a plan for that guy. So stay put. So Paul and Silas stay put, and guess what? They even speak to all the other guys. Hey, guys, I know all our chains fell off, but guess what? We're going to stay here for a few minutes. It convinces all of them to stay. Whew, I don't know. That's mind-blowing, man. Look at, look at verse 30 as the story continues. Then he brought them out and, and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Did you notice his first question? His first question, what must I do to be saved? He knew they were Christians. He probably fell asleep to them singing, I'll fly away. Like he fell asleep to that. He passed out on the job because they were worshiping Jesus, singing hymns. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. He's like, I want what you guys carry, man. Because maybe I've seen some Christians here and there, and I probably heard about this Jesus guy, and, and all that sounds really intriguing, but I've never seen anybody walk in the stuff that you guys are walking in, in here, singing and, and worshiping God, and then an earthquake happens, and now the whole jail cell is open, and you stay here to tell me about Jesus? Man, I want what you guys have. Do people want what you carry, or do they think all that you carry is church attendance? 
If they think all you carry is church attendance, I'll tell you right now, they're going to be like, meh. At the very best, they might say, what church do you go to? Oh, that's a cool spot. Cool. All right, cool. That's not what's going to win them over. It's Jesus inside of you, man. It's the power and presence of Jesus. It's you being the breakthrough worshiper and so focusing on the presence of God that it emanates from your life and gets on everybody around you. That's what they're going to want. All it takes is one. Just one. Let me show you this next verse. Verse 33. This is wrong. Is it right? Yes, it's right. Even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Notice he and his household. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Such a rad story, dude. Freedom came for him, freedom for the captors, and then the jailer gets saved, and his family gets saved, and they're eating and having a morning breakfast party and getting baptized, and God's moving in an awesome way. And how did it all happen? In the middle of the trial, in the middle of the prison cell, Jesus, you're still good. I know there's buildings on fire right over here, but Jesus, you're still good. And I know that there's hate and anger and confusion and violence and all this stuff, but Jesus, you're still good. And I know that there's injustice, but Jesus, you're still good. And I know that I'm hurting, but Jesus, you're still good. And my emotions are high, but Jesus, you're still good. And it's taking her eyes off of all of the different things. And it's looking at this and just going, God, where do I stand with you? Because I can't speak for everybody else, but I can make up my own decision and speak for myself. And I'm telling you, what you're what should be on your lips is, Jesus, you're still good. You're awesome. You're beautiful. You're mighty. And your praise and adoration for him begins to affect the atmosphere that you are around. My worship actually clears a path for others to engage. It clears the path. People are going to see the room begin to shift because you're a breakthrough worshiper. Your boss will begin to notice things are different because you're a breakthrough worshiper. You might work at the church, but guess what? People will take notice that your life is different because of how you are living for Jesus in a fresh way. You've given yourself to him, and you're allowing your worship to clear the path for other people to engage with God. Bethany, what will it be like when you step into work to go to those wonderful kids that you get to see every single day. And you already carry a lot of Jesus, but what about when you come in and you just have that fresh, spunky step once again because you've been just in the presence of the Lord and those kids notice it. What's it going to be like, Nicole, when you go home to Charlotte and you have that fresh presence of God on you and you're worshiping and you walk into the door and you just have that, that fresh step? Melissa, what's it going to be like for your boys and your family when you walk in the door? And some days are heavy and they're difficult, but some days you walk in and you're just whistling your favorite tune to King Jesus. And you just, you begin to emanate the atmosphere of Jesus from you. It comes from you. Man, what better place than to release that in your own home and everywhere that you go? Whew. This is likely the greatest example of it in Scripture, and I'm almost done. This is Luke chapter 23, verse 44. Jesus is on the cross. He's about to die. And this is what happens in verse 44. 
It says it was now only midday, yet the whole world became dark for three hours as the light of the sun faded away. And suddenly in the temple, the thick veil hanging in the holy place was ripped in two. From where God is to where man lives. Verse 46. Then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, I surrender my spirit into your hands. And he took his last breath and died. And when the Roman, check this out, when the Roman captain overseeing the crucifixion, this is the dude in charge of the crucifixion, witnessed all that was taking place, he was awestruck and glorified God. He worshiped God. Acknowledging what they had done, he said, I have no doubt we just killed the righteous one. Talk about a breakthrough worshiper. Talk about how you're sacrificing your attention to the, to the Father, like Jesus in that moment. His attention to the Father affects the people around you. The very guy that was in charge of the crucifixion sees what takes place and is so affected by it, he literally sits up in that moment and is like, oh my God. Not only did we just kill the righteous one, but it says that he worshiped God. I think that there were some other people around that were looking, that were seeing what was going on, that, that knew who Jesus was and were worshiping and they were crying and they were emotional. And, but in his own way, whatever he did in that moment, he worshiped God. I think he got on his face personally. I think he just got on his knees and on his face to the ground and the dirt and was just like, um, we might have just made a huge mistake, but little did he know that he was just an instrument in the great plan of God. <laughs> he was just an instrument in creating an opportunity for his own redemption because of what Jesus did. So talk about Jesus' breakthrough for you and I. His sacrifice and his worship and his adoration of the Father tore the temple veil in two so that all of us can have access to God. It's the greatest dispensation of that ever. So that we all have access into the presence of God now. Jesus' breakthrough of the, is the greatest expression of true spiritual worship to the Father. And it enables us because the veil was rent in two. The ultimate breakthrough worshiper. Brian, why don't you come back up? We're going to close with this verse. Check this verse out. I think this is good. And then we're going to pray for a quick moment. This is, this is a, a really good picture of this, the way the psalmist puts it in Psalm 40, verse 3. A new song for a new day rises up in me. Every time I think about how he breaks through for me, ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles. They'll stand in awe of God and fall in love with him. Did you catch that? I'm going to read it again in just a moment, and I'm going to turn it into a prayer. What God is doing in me, people are going to see it. I want you to know this. I don't, I don't read the Bible to get a message for you. I've fallen into that trap before. I don't have a relationship with God for you. I don't worship and adore Him for you. It's all for me and for Him. It's my relationship with Him. But God has built this to work so that we all get to glean from the benefits of the brethren. We all get to receive of the passing fruit from the people who are engaging with God.
The same way that we all got to receive from the benefit of what Jesus did. When the first Adam fell, it said that all became sinful because of the fall of Adam. But through the second Adam, we have all been redeemed. We've all been made righteous. So there is something about getting it right and how it affects the world around you. You know what I'm seeing in effect right now? My immediate family. <laughs> oh, I made a decision a long time ago. I'm like, God, I adopted this from my uncle. He was like, you know what? I'm not, I, I refuse to go to heaven without seeing my entire family saved. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm going to come into agreement with that. And so I've been believing for that same thing. I want to see my entire family saved. I'm talking about my, my immediate family. And, I'm, and I've been adamant about it. And guess what? I'm starting to see it happen. Piece by piece conversation by conversation in-laws we're seeing them grafted into the presence of God and it's not because I'm knocking on their door every single day like hey you need to give your heart to Jesus and what's wrong with you and hey you gotta stop drinking and smoking and cussing and sleeping around and ah, I'm not doing any of that you know what I'm doing Jesus worshiping Jesus letting my lifestyle prove how I live prove what I believe and it's getting out of me and getting onto them. It's what I carry. It's the atmosphere that I carry, that my wife carries, that my kids are carrying, and it's affecting people around us. So that when you meet me, you meet him. Because I'm in him and he's in me and you're in us and we're together in him. And It's a huge, beautiful, tangled mess of glory. It's awesome. Let me read it one last time. A new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. When he breaks through for me, a new song comes out. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles. They'll stand in awe of God and they're going to fall in love with him. Guess what? They fall in love with him because of what he's doing in me. Say it with me. They fall in love with him because what he's doing in me. You are affecting the world around you whether you realize it or not. So worship away. Pray away. Study the word of God away. Spend time in his presence. Host him well. Be the semi-truck that comes in because somebody else, especially when these church doors open they're, and they're going to come in by some are sick and hurting and some lost loved ones and some are in financial dilemma. And, and guess what? It's going to be a rough situation. So determine and start now in your homes worshiping God and getting into his presence and just saying, God, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome when we gather together again, but even what? I'm going to start right now. And I'm going to send some love to someone in a text message. And I'm going to send someone a post on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And I'm going to show some love to people because I want them to begin to feel the presence of God the way that I'm feeling it. And I want to help be a conduit of blessing for people around me. <sighs> Father, I'm asking tonight, would you pray with me? I'm asking tonight that we would have a grace to worship you in unique and incredible ways. Like this verse was talking about, God, when we think about how you've broken through for us, let praise pour forth from our mouths. We want people to hear and to see how you have set us free. I want them to see your miracles and I want them to stand in awe and falling in love with you because of how I live. <laughs> I don't live my life as if it's my own God. This life belongs to you anyways. 
So help me to worship you. Help me to honor you. Help me to praise you. Help me to keep my focus upon you. God, this is what America needs. This is what our world needs. This is what the movements that are taking place above all else need, Lord God. It's just your presence, a greater degree of your presence. So let Christians arise of every color. Black, white, brown, red, yellow, the whole shebang. Every single one, God, arise with your presence. Let Christians arise, Lord God, that would emanate the presence of God into their, their culture and their atmosphere. That people would feel that, that Jesus would be seen in the midst of all that's happening. From the poor house to the white house, God, every single spot. The, pol the politicians, Lord God, people who are governors and that are making decisions and trying to make things happen to the people who are homeless and walking the streets figuring out where their next meal is going to come from. God, let, let your presence begin to permeate into this place and help me to be a better steward of your presence, God. Help us all to do this better. We would host you well and it would change the world. In Jesus' name.